You're listening to Late Norman Talk with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. Unscripted and real conversations with business leaders and marketing pros. And today our guest is Robert Newkirk, attorney, owner, entrepreneur of Newkirk Law Office. Robert, welcome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about you and your practice. I've been practicing 30 years. I'm a personal injury lawyer and I work out of Cornelius, which means I practice in Mecklenburg, Cabrera, Zyrdale, and all the surrounding counties. But I can practice statewide. It just is the focus is more local. So now when you first started your practice, uh, tell us about how did you start marketing then versus how you market your practice today? Are there big differences? There are big differences. I started practicing in a small firm, and so I didn't have to deal with the marketing side of it. When I went out on my own, I actually went out with a stable of cases and never really had to pay attention to the marketing. When I moved up to the lake about 15 years ago, you then had to distinguish yourself. And so the best approach in the lake area was word word of mouth or face-to-face marketing. It did much better than any other radio or pub print or any other kind of advertising. In your opinion, what do you find to be the most effective uh, way for referral marketing? Well, I'm the president of the Professional Connections chapter, which is the Huntersville chapter of BNI, and that's an incredibly powerful tool for me, mostly because it teaches the 40 people in the room what is a good referral for me and that they know when they send people to me they know what they're going to get. So they have a comfort level with me that they can pass on to the clients. And that's very effective, much more so than print ads. So when you're, you're teaching these people how to get referrals, um, what's, when you, what's the one mistake that you made early on when at teaching people how to get referrals? Or you're, really, you're training people over time through that relationship what are the mistakes you can make and what are the the things that you should do? The biggest mistake when it comes to lawyers is that most people think that all lawyers know all things about all matters. Almost as if we had studied the statute book and we know the answer to every question. You, You need to make your team or the people that are referring you understand that a good referral deals with certain topics and doesn't deal with other ones. So I don't do traffic work but I'll do it for people that are very close to me. I usually refer that out. But I do personal injury work, so I want them to focus on that as opposed to divorces or real estate or other areas of the law. Uh, Two-part question, Robert. So in talking briefly about B&I, and that's obviously how you and I met uh, and became friends and golf and do business together, et cetera. Tell the audience the big difference between B&I and a networking group and also what you know what is the best way to network what is the best way to become the right person in a networking function so the difference the biggest difference between BNI and what what I would call leads group is is or leads groups is that in leads groups most people know of or may have heard of somebody who has a need but they're not identifying anything more than that. It, the relationship tends to be things like, I know of a person who's looking for a something. I talked to somebody who said something about a lawyer, and you came to mind. Now, that doesn't give me any information about the, the person, the context, the case. 
in in BNI, I will narrow down what I do so that they understand that I do a lot of small business work and they can send people who have that specific need or those specific questions to me. The PI stuff or the personal injury stuff is much more event driven. You don't necessarily have relationships with people because of an accident. You happen to hear about them because they are close to you. You hear about somebody in your sphere of influence that's had an accident and then they have a comfort level of sending those people to me because it's kind of a stressful situation when you're in an accident. You're aggravated because you've been in an accident, you're in pain, you have to deal with your car, you're dealing with an insurance company, you don't know what to do. And you want to talk to somebody who can steer you through that without it um, being painful. And then, you know, part two, how do you find people that are successful? Uh, how do they behave from a networking standpoint that allows their businesses to grow in that fashion versus just, you know, hammering somebody with business cards at a, an event? So my approach to it is if I help them in whatever their aspect, whatever they need, if I answer questions that are outside of my area or try to give them information, that gives them, it benefits them. And that then in turn, they're going to come back to me with the people that they've come in contact with or that they trust. So, you know, the BNI philosophy is givers gain. And while you want to use that in the BNI approach, it turns out that it's a very effective way to market. If you give away a little, you get back a lot. Great point. So are there other ways that you market your practice as an attorney other than referrals, or is that really the, the main thing? Is referrals the main thing? Well, I market the print advertising that I do is related to my church. So we have a, my church is a very big community, and the people in that community recognize that they see me in the, in the ad or the publication, and that gives them a comfort level about my background. They understand something about me that I don't actually have to publish. Where I choose to advertise tells them a lot about what I do, who I am. So when you first started out in your own practice, you know, it's always tough. It's a grind those first few years to, to build that name and to, to uh, build that client base and to get the people to refer you. Um, where did you see, what was the inflection point? Where was the point? How, you know, how long did it take to really build it up? Because I think some people come out of the gate and think they're going to knock it out of the park. A lot of people think that you hang out the shingle and all of a sudden business comes to you. Right. And, and you know, my situation is a little different in the 30 years that I've been in practice. I, like I said, I, when I opened my own originally in 2002, I did it with a client base already. I already had all the work I needed at that moment. And that had to do with where I was coming from. When I moved to the lake because I wanted to be out of the Charlotte market, uh, there, I, I had to rebrand myself. I, I did not do a lot of small business work. So I learned small business work as the way to introduce people at the lake to that side of my practice. Um, this is a very entrepreneurial area up here at the lake. A lot of people either come out of corporate world and go into consulting or come out of other things and want to do small businesses or have side businesses. And that ends up being a big component of how you meet people, not just what you do. What would you say is the most valuable piece of uh, business advice you've ever received? Wow. Um, it, 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 you know, as silly as it sounds, it turns out 
that it's to be true to yourself and not to try to be somebody that you're not. And what I, what I mean by that is there are some people in this world that expect mahogany desks and fancy offices, and that's what they want out of their lawyer. In At the lake, there are as many people who are as pleased slash impressed by the lawyer that is comfortable in his golf shirt and shorts as they are in a Armani suit. So if you are that person, if you're comfortable that way and you recognize that they're coming to you for what you think and not how you dress, you end up being in a better situation and more confident. So I had to learn that the lake was a different animal than any place else, that to be the the right person for the right place meant being the kind of person that I am, not the kind of person that they project me to be or they want they think they want me to be. In other words, I don't have to fancy it up in order to give them good advice. I need to have them trust me in order to have them hear my advice. I think that's an excellent point. And, and I've coached business owners in the same fashion when they're projecting them or presenting themselves on camera, dress like you appear in life to your customer because that's what they're going to relate to. Chuck, yeah. what do you think of that? Oh, I totally agree. I think you do. I mean, there's certain situations that do call you for, for you to present yourself in a certain way. And there's certain type of clientele, they're going to have a certain expectation. But I think for the majority of the people, uh, especially in this area, uh, I think they do appreciate that. Um, I think it's the service that you deliver. And once you open your mouth and you, they know that you know that what you're talking about, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, if you have clients that don't like that, then I'm sure they can pay a lot more and go downtown. They certainly can. Uh, the, <laughs> the advice downtown costs more than the advice up here, right. but it's the same advice. Exactly. That's really interesting. In fact, you know, onto marketing and branding, that point you just made about being true to yourself. I mean, that is you. Everybody in the BNI group knows your UNCC all the way, your golf shirt every week, and you're, you're a great golfer. So I think when they get to work with you in business, it's the same guy mm-hmm. and the comfort levels there. Um, let me ask you about a time um, where you struggled in your business and, you know, what was it and what did you do to overcome that? The struggle came, so I opened my own practice in 2002 with, and I was at that point doing a lot of mass tort work, in particular breast implant cases. Um, That work had something of a natural end to it, where there was a claims period and things would come to a, a close. And what I didn't realize is that I needed to make sure to fill the gap when the close came. So when that happened... Two things happened. One is I I knew I needed to increase my exposure and increase my business. And the second was I didn't want to be making the drive to Charlotte anymore. So that's when I the two came together. I moved to the lake to be able to take advantage of a different kind of practice, uh, bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak, as opposed to being in Charlotte. And um, then I had to learn to get out there and make people know who I was. Not necessarily what I did, but know where I was and who I was. And that would drive them to need. Yeah, it goes back to uh, people are going to do business with who they know, like, and trust. And um, I think you got to start with the like part. I think that's a big thing. Uh, you're not going to, you know, I can maybe trust you, but I'm going to have to at least like you or feel that, hey, this is the guy you need to talk to. Um, I think that a lot of that goes around, especially in the South. It goes around a lot with lawyers. I mean, there are a lot of lawyers that are pretty stuffy. 
Right. And if they're not approachable, if you can't talk to them in a way that you understand all the pieces that they're talking about, you don't get anything out of that relationship. And so I'm not any different in a meeting with a client than I am right here. It is a conversation. It's not a lecture. It's not a uh, an, an education. I don't have a blackboard. I'm not trying to pound this into your skull about this is what I know, why I know it, how I know it, and then I'm right about knowing it. I, I understand. I try to understand the issue and help you work your way through the issue so that you get a sense of how and why I think the way I think. Um, we've heard before, and I think you've you've heard it when it came to other people in our group networking group. Lawyers are really good at issue spotting. Issue spotting is the easy part. Solutions are the harder part. And, and solutions at the right price. That's the other thing. That's a great point. And in your practice, you know, you handle uh, small business, you know, setups, resolutions, agreements, you know, getting incorporated, et cetera, as well as personal injury. What's one thing you wish every client or potential client knew before they called you in either of those areas you can talk on? Uh, that would just make your life easier. Um, what I wish they understood is that they that they don't need to shop prices as much as they think they do. Saving fifty dollars is ultimately not going to be a big deal. Uh, but people are very price conscious, and so. What I want them to know is I've already thought through the pricing for them and made it sensible. So small businesses, especially businesses that are getting into litigation, I do a lot of that work by flat fee so that they understand the cost of the engagement. They don't get into something thinking I'm going to spend 2000 and end up spending 8000 on a $12,000 problem. You know, if they get in, if I deal with it, I accept the representation. I try to make it affordable and sensible, both on both sides of the equation, so that they, again, they it's predictable. What's some advice you can offer business owners that, you know, they may be struggling, they may come off a great year, then a not-so-great year, and they get opportunities to work with a potential customer, but it's totally not a good fit. It's not what they do. They, there's problems early on in the relationship before the agreement's even signed. How do you walk away from business in the right way? In 30 years of practicing, what I've learned is when to say no. When you first start practicing, the problem that you have is you're always afraid. You, know, you never know where the next fee is going to come from. And so you're more concerned with taking everything than taking the right things. In 30 years, what I've learned is that the right thing is going to come along before long. And it is much better for me to say no on the front end than to have to get out on the back end. So I had to learn how to say no. Now, in the lawyer world, the easy way to do that is to say either the demands of my practice are too much right now for you to get the attention that you want or you think you need, or it's outside my specialty. I need to send you to somebody else. That may not be true for other consultants or other kinds of people, but it's true in the law world. I can... I can make that not a painful exchange, and I can walk away from it knowing that I've still helped them to some extent. I've gotten them to the right people. That's the other thing about practicing as long as I have, is that I know the people who do the things that they do, and they do well. So if I tell you your Social Security claim needs to go to a particular guy, it's not because he's paying me. It's because I know this is what he does. I know he's going to be the right person, the right fit, and get the right result. 
So it's a lot about sifting and sorting is just as important in marketing in running a business. Uh, and I think I guess it's, there's a lot, there's a, you know, the big adage now that everyone's writing around about Steve Jobs and how he would say, he said no so many times and yes very few times mm -hmm. and then now everybody else is chiming in. But I think that, that just goes along for anyone that's successful. Uh, you know, situations and people can waste your time and, and in turn you can waste their time. And you know it. Uh, you know it on certain engagements when the very first phone call, you can tell that there's somebody that's needy in a way that makes no sense or that's out of whack with the particular case. Uh, one of the reasons why I stopped doing workers' comp a long time ago is because workers' comp is highly dependent on um, weekly paychecks. And when they didn't get their check on the day that they expected to get their check, they're going to call me about it. Well, I don't control the check, of course, and all I can do is to make a call to the workers' comp carrier to figure out what's going on. And it became a diminishing returns problem. You know, you, you have to understand the places where you're going to spend the right time for the right money. So the interesting thing about PI is that you never know how much you're going to make and you never know how much time you're going to spend in it. When I flip that on its head for commercial litigation, I know if I set the fee, I know how much I'm going to make and I can simply control the time. So I'm not going to take depositions that are unnecessary. I'm not going to send out discovery that's not necessary. If I send out discovery and it's five questions, it's because those are the five questions I want. I don't have to justify sending out 55 questions to justify my fee. I get what I need in order to advance my case and leave the superfluous stuff in the trash where it belongs. Robert, last question. Uh, 30 years now you've been practicing. What still motivates you today? Why do you still do what you do? Uh, part of it is because I'm too young to quit. <laughs> um, or I feel like I'm too young to quit. And the other part of it is there, there's an awful lot of it that can be fun. Now, there, there are a lot of things that you deal with in the course of a day that are aggravating. And, and quite frankly, sometimes other lawyers are aggravating. Um, but when at the end of the day, if you get to the right result, if you help somebody through a situation that they didn't see an out and you can solve that problem, you can get a good result on a PI case. Those are the things that make it worth it, really. Robert, thanks for being on with us today. Uh, can you tell uh, our listeners how uh, they can reach you and find you and your practice? Sure. I am at newkirklawoffice.net. <laughs>